Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 7 of Genesis chapter 7, and we're going to be reading verses 4 through 6. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that Jehovah commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Now, we've been discussing verse 4 and God's statement, yet seven days, and we've seen how that relates to 7,000 years from the flood to 2011. Also, in our last Bible study, we saw that uh, it's not accidental that the judgment of the flood uh, began with rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, the judgment continued Beyond that, it, it continued further than that. We know that it was right around one year before Noah and his family and the animals could depart out of the ark and uh, onto dry land again. But God very importantly is emphasizing by having the, the rain fall for 40 days and 40 nights at the beginning of the flood on the 17th day of the second month, the date which identifies with May 21, 2011, the end of the Great Tribulation and the beginning of the judgment on all the inhabitants of the earth, that not only is it a time of judgment, but it likewise will be a time of testing. Testing. Now, let's even look historically at Noah and that time in his 600th year. Once the rain began and and continued to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, were the unsafe people outside of the ark being tested throughout that 40-day period? Well, no. they uh, Many of them would have died after the second day, the third day, certainly the first week. The first 10 days, we don't know exactly how it worked out, but perhaps um, the vast majority of people on the earth would have been dead at that point, and, and none would have been alive through the 40-day period of rain. And yet there were people alive, only eight, but they were the only ones alive on the earth inside the ark, along with the animals. So the 40 days and 40 nights really impacted the inhabitants of the ark. And that's what we find when we see all the Bible has to say regarding the testing that accompanies the day of judgment. The testing is not for the unsaved people 
in the church, and it's not for the unsaved people outside of the church in the world. But it has to do with God applying the trial of faith to those people that are elect and to those people that identify with the elect. And we see this, for instance, in Zechariah. In Zechariah 13, it says in Zechariah chapter 13, beginning in verse 8, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And the two parts um, would identify with the number 666. 0.666 is another way of writing two-thirds. And that is the number of man. It is the number that has to do with unsaved mankind. And the third part is a number that God uses to typify those that he saves. So the third shall be left therein. And that language is important. Uh, when we read First Thessalonians chapter 4, we read of those that are alive and remain. What's another way of saying you remain? You're left. It is the elect of God that have been left on the earth in the day of judgment, they are alive because they have been born again. They have spiritual life and they remain due to the fact that God has left them, but not left them for no purpose, but left them for a very definite purpose to try them. As it says here, Saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. And that is what happened on May 21, 2011. The wicked of the earth were cut off from heaven once the door shut. But the third part is left therein, still in the world. It, it's why it, we read in Isaiah 24, and Isaiah 24 is a chapter that is, without any question, describing the final judgment of the world, the earth. Um, it says in verse 4 of Isaiah 24, The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. In one verse, earth, world, earth. Verse 5, The earth also is defiled, under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant, therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. That would be the wicked, the, the two parts that are cut off and die. Then it goes on to say, therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned. They're um, spiritually on fire. They've been burned up. And they are desolate. They are under the wrath of God. And yet, notice again here in Isaiah 24, 6, the last part of the verse, Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned 
and few men left. The few are the elect. Many are called, few are chosen. Electos. Few are elect. When, when God begins judgment day, it will bring about a desolate condition to the earth. The inhabitants of the earth will be burned spiritually. And at the same time, few men will be left. Exactly what Zechariah 13 verse 8 is telling us. Two parts cut off and die. The third shall be left therein. It's really uh, an identical statement to to Isaiah 24 in verse 6. And then it says in verse 9 of Zechariah 13, And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. Refining and trying identify with testing. That's what's in view. God puts the fire not only to the wicked, and when he does put the fire to the wicked, they burn up, but he puts the fire to his people, to the silver and to the gold, and it does not burn them up. The inhabitants of the earth are burned, few men left. They are left because the fire has no power to burn them up. The fire has no ability to consume them. The wrath of God is ineffective in that sense against them because the wrath of God is designed to burn up the wicked, to burn up the sinner. But God's elect bear no sin. Their sin has been taken from them. It was uh, placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore it in their stead at the point of the world's foundation. And he died for the sins of his people. But since he died for their sins, their sins have been paid for. Every last one of their sins has been, have been paid for. And, and so they, they're sinless. They are righteous in God's eyes. They are innocent of breaking the law. All transgression of the law has been accounted for through Christ. And, and therefore, in a time when the law is taking vengeance, when the uh, wrath of God is being poured out upon lawbreakers, covenant breakers, and and is destroying them, it has nothing it can do, nothing it can say against God's elect people who bear no sin. And this means that they endure. They go through the fire and are not burned up. They endure to the end. And at the end of the judgment, however long it will be, at the end of the prolonged day of judgment, the elect 
people of God, the third part, will come through the fire in a purified way. They, they will, uh, have made it through. And as it says in Malachi, which is the little book that follows Zechariah, in Malachi chapter 3, and let, let's begin reading in verse 2 of Malachi 3, But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire. Now, remember, God said in Zechariah 13, verse 9, He will refine the third part as silver. Verse 2 of Malachi 3, For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi. The sons of Levi, in in this verse, are a reference to those that are truly saved. And purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto Jehovah an offering in righteousness. And again, we see the implication here is just the sons of Levi will be able to abide the day of his coming. They alone will be able to stand when he appeareth. And remember what it says in Revelation chapter 6, at the end of that chapter, in verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? There's the question. We we know um, that none of the wicked will stand. They are not able to stand his coming or abide the day of his coming, the day of his wrath. But the answer is found here in Malachi 3. Who shall be able to stand when he appeareth? The sons of Levi, who will be refined as silver and be purified as gold. Yes, that's true in the day of his coming. Yet, they will abide. They will endure. They will stand throughout. And God even tells us why or or uh, how uh, it is that they stand in Ephesians chapter 6. He says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now that's one thing God's people stand against. But notice also in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and and so on. The armor of God, which is spiritual armor that accompanies salvation, enables the child of God to stand in the evil day. And remember the Lord's Prayer, Deliver us from evil. 
from Judgment Day. The evil day is Judgment Day, and God's elect, who only have the spiritual armor that's uh, described in Ephesians chapter 6, are able to go through it and to stand. None of the wicked will stand, but God's elect can withstand due to the fact that God has equipped them properly with the necessary spiritual armor, which which is the armor of God, the armor of Christ. It's his faith and, and his righteousness and so forth. Well, while we're discussing this, remember also Luke 21, verse 34 and following. It says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. And that day would be judgment day. And, and uh, it goes on in verse 35, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. It, notice it doesn't say and be raptured out of the Son of Man's sight, but to stand before the Son of Man. And it's speaking of Judgment Day. What, what God is telling people to watch and pray for is not to be raptured out of the world, but it is to endure, to stand. Uh, the, the sons of Levi could stand when he appeareth, but, but none of the wicked can stand. None of the wicked can, can stand. It, uh, we're told in, um, Psalm 1, in verse 4 and 5, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That's what the Bible says. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. They'll be burned up. They, they'll be cut off and die. They, they cannot be left therein and remain because they have no spiritual life. And it is only God's people who are equipped with salvation armor to stand the evil day that do indeed endure to the end. And they, uh, as a result, because of salvation, they are able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, we've talked about Second Corinthians 5.10, which, uh, speaking to God's elect, there, it's not speaking to the unsaved. It says in verse 10 of Second Corinthians 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yet, in a very similar statement, not quite parallel, because there's one difference in, in the wording. In Romans chapter 14, we, we read of, again, a similar idea. 
It says in Romans 14, verse 9, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And and again, this is referring to the elect, the elect of God who appear, that is, they're made manifest, because it's an actual demonstration. It's, it's really a tableau that we are going through at this time, and since May 21, 2011, in order to demonstrate the things that God did for his elect at the foundation of the world when our sins were truly paid for and and were uh, washed from us with the fires of the wrath of God and we were baptized in Christ at that point. Yet now we stand. We stand in our appearance before the judgment seat of Christ we stand and are able to withstand the evil day. And we will continue to stand here right before that judgment seat until the whole period has elapsed, until the time has gone and, and God's justice has been satisfied concerning the wicked and God's trial of the elect is finished. We further read in 1 Corinthians 3. Now these verses are in the Bible and have been in the Bible uh, in some cases for over 2,000 years in, in the Old Testament, 2,500 years uh, or, or longer. And, and um, in, in 1 Corinthians, it's been almost 2,000 years that God has made these statements and yet they were never really understood until now. And now the people of God that are living on the earth, and it's due to our vantage point of living after the tribulation, in those days after that tribulation, we can see the fulfillment of these scriptures for the first time. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Notice that word manifest again. And this is a related word. This is 53 18, um, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, where it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's 53.19, but they're very closely related and they mean the very same thing. Every man's work shall be made manifest. It, it will come to light. What happens during this period of judgment? What happens to you and what happens to me and what happens to all the elect and those that that closely identify with the elect but are not truly elect 
will be made manifest by the time this period is finished. And and here's what will be made manifest. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. The day of judgment will reveal. It, it will be very obvious what happens when, again, we go through the day. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try, we, we should not miss that word, try, like trial. In Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9, what did God say regarding the third part? I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. And here, we find the same idea. We find the foundation is laid and built upon it. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now, what what does that mean? If any man's work abide, well, that would mean you endure the fire, you you you've come through like the third part, like the the silver that was purified or refined and the gold that was purified in Malachi three, and and you are. Uh, a true man, someone without guile. You, it, it is proven you are a son of God. You are someone that God has saved. And when you abide and endure to the end, you receive a reward. Now, let, let's skip over to James chapter 1. In James 1, says in verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. They may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But then it says in verse 12 of James, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, or trial. Blessed is the man that endureth trial, for when he is tried... He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. You see how that fits in what 1 Corinthians 3 is saying? That there will come the day that will declare and make manifest and reveal a day of fire because it will be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, whether you're gold, silver, Precious stones or wood, hay, stubble. And what happens when, when fire is put to wood, hay, stubble? It burns like the wicked of the earth. The two parts therein that are cut off and die. Then in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 3, If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward, the crown of life, eternal life, 
It, this is the last stage. There, this is the last period of time in these days after the tribulation, the time of severe testing as we are going through the fire. I, I think that's obvious to all. It, it, it's, it's really very clear that there's been a major change in program as far as God and the Bible's concerned since May 21, 2011. And that change in program is to light the flames and the fire, the wrath of God upon the inhabitants of the earth and, and put the fire to all and those that endure, those that endure will be the gold, the silver, the precious stones, and they will abide, and then they will receive the reward of eternal life. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.